0: Hello and welcome to the 94 Feet Report NBA Podcast. I am your host, as always, Eric Spiropolis, and you can follow me on Twitter, at Eric Spiros. This is uh, the first episode of a series we're going to run uh, throughout this week called the uh, Fresh 15 um, in which fifteen minute episodes of the ninety four few report NBA podcast, basically going through the signings that happened that day, um, giving some quick reaction on them, quick analysis, maybe a quick grade on the quick grade on them. Excuse me, um, and and. Most likely, every day, we'll have a a different guest. Most likely, it will be a writer from the recently launched 94feetreport.com website, which I recommend you all check out, which you can find both on my Twitter, at Eric Spiros, or on the website's Twitter, at the 94 Feet Report. We launched um, a little bit before July 1st, around 11.30 p.m. Eastern Time on June 30th, but technically, July 1st was our official launch date. We've got so much content on the site. We've covered basically each and every free agency signing so far with a grade and reaction analysis piece. We've also got a couple of original content articles that our writers have worked on. We've got a great group of about 20 writers, some editors, some other podcasters. So check out 94feetreport.com and follow the site on Twitter at the 94feetreport and follow me on Twitter at Eric Spiros. In today's episode... Uh, of the fresh 15 for July 1st, we'll be joined by one of our writers at the ninety four feet report, Jeremy Brenner. Um, and we're going to go through um, most of the signings that happen on July 1st. We're obviously going to leave some of them out if they're not significant enough to touch upon, but we're going to give our analysis on Jeff Teague signing, maybe Blake Griffin signing um, and some other ones as well. So stay stay tuned. We'll have Jeremy Brenner on fresh 15 July 1st installment of the 94 feet report, NBA podcast. All right, we are now joined by Jeremy Brenner, a writer, obviously, at the 94 Feet Report and uh, the Dream Shake, as well as other various platforms. Jeremy, how are you doing tonight?
1: I'm doing great, Eric. It's been a long day, first day of free agency, but it's been an eventful day at free agency, and I'm happy to talk to you about it.
0: Yeah, it's been an eventful day. Let, let's start off primarily with just what your just initial idea of the most interesting or compelling or, or, or fascinating contract that you saw signed today.
1: Well, um, I would actually go with the contract that didn't end up getting signed today, uh, and that would be Nene. Uh, I would—I I mean, maybe this is a bit biased from my perspective because I am a Houston guy, but uh, Nene's contract and that whole saga is very interesting, and it's going to change free agency a lot, especially for the Rockets, because the Rockets uh, have so many different directions they need to go in because they need to get. Physical players on their roster. They only have like seven or eight guys currently under contract for next season, but they need Nene because Nene was such an integral part of their team last season, and they tried to sign him for four years, which seemed very odd, but this new CBA that started today uh, claims that you can't sign someone past their 38th birthday, um, and I think it's a ridiculous rule, but. Uh, The Rockets misinterpreted the CBA, Mm -hmm. and that is probably going to affect their free agency, and it could be the reason why Nene is not a Rocket next year, and that is so frustrating. But uh, hopefully the Rockets get a deal with Nene at some point. Um, What I think is this, Nene wants $15 million, and he didn't mind it going over four years, but now that they can only offer him a three-year contract, he wants $15 million still, which forces them to pay him $5 mil per year. And I don't think the Rockets are willing to do that, necessarily. I think Nene is worth $5 million a year. I don't think it's a contract that... Uh, I think it's a contract the Rockets can afford to do. But um, the Rockets are obviously very skeptical because they only have so much little uh, wiggle room in terms of where they can sign Nene.
0: Yeah. So
1: hopefully they can uh, find a way to get Nene to work because Nene on the Rockets next year is... Um, Very important for the success of the team Or to get a guy like Nene Who can fill that role As well as Nene did last season
0: yeah, what a what a fascinating situation, frustrating situation, and really a surprising situation that uh, Daryl Morey and the Rockets kind of missed that. Even though it is a brand new CBA that just went into effect, um, it can cost them. And Nene is a valuable piece, um, and it really would behoove the Rockets to try and get a deal done with Nene as soon as possible for a pretty reasonable contract. I'm going to go with Jeff Teague um, mainly because I think that whole Timberwolves situation. You know, before they actually signed Teague, a couple of hours basically before they signed Teague, they traded Ricky Rubio to the Jazz. And then they signed Teague, signed him to more money per year, and he is, I think, two to three years older than Rubio. Obviously, they're very different players. Rubio is a lot better of a defender and passer. Teague is a more versatile scorer um, and a little bit better shooter, Um you know, this is the all-in win now move for the Timberwolves. Teague is twenty-nine. They got Jimmy Butler, and he—they have him front under contract for I think for the next two years. Um, so they're going all in right now, and I think the contrast between Teague and Rubio is very fascinating. And you combine the trade before signing Teague, and I think that makes it the most. Compelling move of the day, or the most interesting move of the day. Um, let's turn our attention quickly to the Warriors. They made a couple of sign, or about to make a couple of signings. They signed Steph Curry to the richest contract in NBA history: five years, two hundred one million dollars. Then they signed Sean Livingston to three years, twenty four million. I think the first two years are guaranteed. And they just before we got on air, they just offered Iguodala three years, forty five million. Um, he has not made a decision yet. I think he's going to take that. Um, so, what do you think? Just give me your general thoughts on these signings and how they affect the, t- the finances of the team moving forward.
1: Well, here, here's... So, Curry being the most uh, expensive player in the league, I think, very, very well-deserved. Um, this new Supermax uh, idea, um, it makes him the highest-paid player in the league. They were able to get him for peanuts. You know, he was getting paid $11 million a year for when he won his two MVPs. Um, but now those days are over. He is finally established himself as a super max player, and now it's going to. What I think it's going to do is, I think it's going to really affect what the Warriors do down the line. And I think um, that it really did affect the Igadala free agency because um, they could only because they need to offer. Uh, Durant some money. They need to offer Curry some money. And now they need uh, and it kind of affected Igadala because they still also need to pay Iguodala. Um mm-hmm. But I think um, Sean Livingston really helped them out by taking less money than he probably deserved because Sean Livingston is not worth $8 million a year. He's worth a lot more than that. Probably, he probably could have gotten a lot more money elsewhere, probably in the uh, 12 to $14 million range. He's been healthy the last couple years and he's been a great asset for the uh, for the Dubs, and he's only 31, um, so him taking a three-year, 24 million dollar deal is something that um, it really helped the Warriors out and allowed them to offer Iguodala 15 mil a year, which is uh, which has been reported just before we got on air. But uh, I read something today; I can't remember exactly who it was from, but um, if you offer Iguodala a three-year contract, that third year I think is when Clay Thompson becomes a free agent, and that is the year. And I think that's why the Warriors might have been a little skeptical at first to offer Igadala that mat, uh, that early contract. Um, but that third year, which is going to be the 1920 season, is the year where they're going to come into a wall where they're going to have to either trade Igadala or they're going to have to find a way to save money to get... Um, they're going to have to save money to get um, Clay his money. And I think... The, that Iguodala meeting with the Rockets and the Spurs and the Lakers or whoever else he met with, I think especially the Rockets, it really forced the Warriors to make their move now and his whole leverage ploy with meeting with the Rockets whether or not it was a leverage play or not it definitely worked and it definitely um, it definitely maximizes value in free agency and I think he will end up taking the Warriors deal but it's going to cost them in the future I believe
0: yeah, and everyone's pointing to that kind of nineteen twenty years that year where the Warriors are going to face that dilemma of the huge luxury tax bill um, versus you know trying to save some money and, and keep most of their you know at least their top four players around so they can continue to contend for championships. Um, but, you know, they're going to bring back Curry to the Supermax. They're bringing back Livingston for a very, very reasonable contract. will most likely bring Iguodala back for a reasonable contract, um, then give Durant some money. So they're obviously going to be stuck in a pinch. But then again, they are paying for a team that will probably be in the finals for the next three years. Um, so an interesting situation there. Let's move our attention our to, to another interesting team that's on, on the rise but is, has today signed two veterans and J.J. Redick for one year and $23 million and Amir Johnson for one year, $11 million, and that's the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, what, are your, what are your takes on these two signings of the veterans for the, the Trust the Process Sixers?
1: I think this is um, two huge wins to the Sixers. I think right now they are the winners in free agency actually. Um, I think it's. Uh, the, I think that J.J. Reddick deal is a very hefty contract, but the Sixers have the money to do it, so why not? And it's only for this upcoming season. And this one-year deal it really allows them, and for Amir Johnson as well, it really allows um, them to be very valuable assets to trade at the deadline if they choose to do so. And I think bringing in veterans to um, complement... This young core with Fultz, Simmons, Embiid, and Saw Rich, I think, especially with J.J. Redick, I think he is a great fit for them. And Amir Johnson as well, I think, um, although I don't see Amir Johnson playing as much as J.J. Redick, I think um, I think it's an excellent, excellent deal for both of them. Because I think Reddick is actually going to be their starter at the two. I don't think uh, TLC is ready to fulfill that starting two, but... Um, give him some time, and I think that's where TLC is going to be, or at least that's where they want him to be, but you know, now they don't have that much commitment on Reddick, they can let him go after the season, and that will be the time when TLC will be ready to fulfill that starting role at the two are, uh, uh, with Fultz in the backcourt.
0: Yeah, I like, those, I like both of the signings. Uh, good veteran presences um, can help. Um, you know, They could actually compete for the playoffs, especially with how weak the Eastern Conference has got in the past, past couple of weeks, trading Jimmy Butler and Paul George to the West. Um, and again, they're one-year deals. They have the money to spend it this year. Why not? Reddit can still help out. He'll probably start at the two. Um, and they're just really good veterans that can help out and grow these young players. All right, so we're almost at the end of the fresh 15 for July 1st. I just want to get really quickly your thoughts or or a quick preview on some players you're looking forward to um, hearing about and uh, the rumors tomorrow who are taking some meetings.
1: So I think think tomorrow we're actually looking for a very interesting day. I think tomorrow is the day where Millsap makes this decision and it looks like it's going to be Denver or Atlanta and I think that really could go either way depending on if Atlanta um, wants to Start their rebuild now or wait and wait for a little bit. I think that is going to happen uh, tomorrow. I also think you know this Hayward free agency is still the most compelling out of anybody else's. I think um, uh, another signing we didn't mention, but Joe Ingles mm-hmm. just signed with the uh, with the Jazz today, which is a bit of a surprise. Some of us thought that maybe he would go elsewhere. Orlando seemed to be very interested in him, but Joe Ingles is a good friend of Hayward's, and I think that really helps. Uh, Hayward's Jazz case, but I think there's really three legitimate um, options for Hayward. I really think Miami is a legitimate threat to sign him. I think they have a very uh, interesting team down there, and I think Hayward fits their system. I think Boston, they really need to cash in, and I think this is their last chance, really, for them to get an asset to really make them a little better for next season, as they could possibly contend with Cleveland but I also think Utah is also a very legitimate threat as well. Uh, I think that they, I think they helped their case today by signing um, by signing Ingles, and I still think that the Jazz, despite you know the West getting better over the last couple of days, I think um, Hayward. I think that Hayward. It's although the decision probably won't come tomorrow. It will certainly develop over the next couple of days, and it will continue its development tomorrow. So I'm excited to look forward to that, and also. Um, I think a lot of people are going to start signing on I think a lot of people are going to have their meetings tomorrow and then on Monday is when we're going to see a lot of signings because it's been the weekend you know people don't want to necessarily do all this work over the weekend but I think once Monday hits that's when we're going to really see the ball rolling I think that's when we're really going to see a lot of players start to sign and teams start to fill up their rosters
0: yeah, the Gordon Hayward situation is very interesting. Obviously, the West got, it got a lot harder over the past week or so. The Rockets, who were above the Jazz, got better. The Thunder, who were slightly below the Jazz, got better. Um, and, you know, there was rumor that Gordon Hayward really wanted George Hill back, but, you know, the Jazz did bring back his friend Joe Ingles, and they did trade for Ricky Rubio, who is obviously a very capable starting point guard in the league. So they are showing that they want to build around Gordon Hayward and keep him there. But Miami and Boston obviously present um, great opportunities to win, especially in the East Eastern Conference. All right, Jeremy, I want to thank you for joining the 94 Feet Report NBA podcast for the first ever installment of Fresh 15 for July 1st. Why don't you throw out where people can find you on social media and where they can find some of your articles?
1: Sure. Well, you can find me um, at Jeremy underscore Brenner. That's B-R-E-N-E-R. And uh, go follow the 94 Feet Report on Twitter. Go like our our stories at 94feetreport.com. And, yeah, that's really all i got to say. Thank you for having me, Eric. I appreciate it.
0: No problem. And everyone else, thank you for listening to the first ever installment of Fresh 15 for July 1st. Hope you guys have a great day slash night, and we'll be back for July 2nd. Take care.